This episode is brought to you by Meet Otis, a digital marketing assistant to help target, optimize, and measure campaigns for entrepreneurs and small business owners. Meet Otis allows you to acquire new customers that'll love your business, all from an easy-to-use app. You can create Facebook, Instagram, and Google ads, all from the Otis app. Otis's AI technology intuitively optimizes your daily budget to whichever platform is performing the best. Using the data that's already available to you, Otis will analyze your existing customers to retarget and also find other people like them to target your ads to. You can manage and track the results all in real time from the Otis app, and Otis users see results for just as little as $10 a day. Get started with Otis today. Otis is offering our listeners a 14-day free trial plus $50 in ad credit, but you have to go to meetotis.com slash one to take advantage of this offer. That's Meet Otis, that's M-E-E-T-O-T-I-S dot com slash O-N-E to get your 14-day free trial plus a $50 credit to get started. MeetOtis.com slash one. So I want to empower a million people to fight their fear, to achieve the results they need, to achieve their potential, and to see their wildest dreams happen. This is The One Thing Podcast, where we teach you the surprisingly simple truth behind extraordinary results. I'm your host, Kaylin Less. Have you ever imagined a goal so big that it takes your breath away? Or cast a vision for your life that while it truly fires you up, it also has you shaking with real fear? You're not alone. Because when we dare to think big and have a relationship with our goals, fear is the one thing that can stop us from achieving the extraordinary results we deserve and living a life without regret. Today's guest is someone whose purpose is rooted in making an impact in the world by helping people fight their fear. She's learned firsthand what it looks like to form the habit of choosing courage when fear shows up and is committed to helping others do the same. As you listen today, consider the things in your life you would pursue if fear had no power over you. Because the truth is that fear, it's a distraction from living a big life that allows you to experience your potential and fulfill your purpose. With that, let's get into this conversation with best-selling author and professional troublemaker, Lovey Jai Jones. Eating healthy is an investment. It's an investment in yourself, but it also often requires an investment of your time. But good news is Factor has delicious ready-to-eat meals that are ever fresh and never frozen. They're chef-created, dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. With Factor, you can choose from a weekly menu of up to 35 options, including popular things like Calorie Smart or Keto Direction or Protein Plus or Vegan and Veggie. Also discover 60 more add-ons every week like breakfast on the go, lunch, snacks, beverages to help you stay fueled, feel good all day. And we know our listeners here at The One Thing are focused on health and health goals. That's why we choose to partner with Factor. And if you visit factormeals.com slash 150 and use code 150, you can get 50% off your first month plus 20% off your next month. Again, that's factormeals.com slash ONE50 and use code ONE50 to get 50% off your first month plus 20% off your next month. Lovey, we know that fear, it's universal. We all experience it from time to time. But you've said that when you push through fear and do the hard thing, 
it's more than just an isolated victory. We actually become the domino for other wins. Can you share more about what be the domino means to you? Yeah, I think the idea of being the domino is the idea of taking action first that can lead other people to now go forward. Because I think about dominoes, you need one to go down and then the rest of them will do it. And in this world, who we are and the stories we tell and how we show up can allow us to be the domino because it can inspire other people to show up in the way they show up and find their gifts and and live in their purpose and live a life that's so big. For me, I wanted to be the domino to to compel people to fight their fear. And that's why I did my TED Talk and that's why I wrote Professional Troublemaker. I think being the domino is simply moving, taking action that might be difficult in order to help other people take similar action or an action that's going to propel them forward and be for the greater good. And I use my voice and I use my work and my story and my life with the hopes that I am going to be somebody else's domino. Because I remember times when I was afraid to do things like call myself a writer. I was afraid to do that because I didn't see a writer who was making a living in the way I was, which was simply talking about my opinions. I wasn't a journalist. I wasn't somebody who was working for the New York Times. But what's funny is I had to be the domino for myself. So what happens is we're typically waiting on somebody else to give us the permission, somebody else to show us what this life could look like. And I realized when I didn't have that, I ultimately became that for myself. So then hopefully somebody else sees me and they go, that's my domino. The thing I love about what you said is that sometimes we're looking around for someone else's playbook so that we can lean into the unique opportunities that are in front of us. But the truth is that if we spend our time waiting for permission or for a recipe for how to do it right we potentially forfeit the opportunity altogether. If we don't choose to be our own first domino, we might miss the chance to do it, learn from it, fail at it, grow from it, and to be the domino for someone else. Looking around and you don't see the thing that you need, you're supposed to show up and become that thing because other people probably need it too. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's honestly how, how I approach what I do. It's how I approach what I create, what I write. My first book, I wrote it because I wanted a book that was going to make me laugh. I wanted a book that was going to make me like, that I would, I'd be able to give to other people to be like, here's what my thoughts are about life, about why we're all ridiculous and why we all need to be better. You know, when I wrote my, when I started my blog 16 years ago, I just wanted to have something that would make my friends laugh, right? So when I started my social platform, it's because I was like, I want Love Nation to exist as a safe space in a dumpster fire world when the, when the rest of social media is ridiculous. When I wrote this book, I wrote it because I realized it was the book that I needed to read. When we move through the world trying to be the person we need or trying to create the work that we would want to consume, we win. So that has not, let, that, that has not failed me yet. And it won't fail me because I know if I need something, somebody else does too. Yeah, it's interesting when you talk about that, the things that you've chosen to push through because you know that your actions are an example for other people. The other thing I think about is that sometimes when we're faced with a yes or a no, that little friction, that little piece of fear 
can be enough to hold us back, but it's also a clue that maybe we should move forward. <laughs> you know, like that fear is not always an indicator of what we should not do. Sometimes it's an indicator of exactly the one thing that we should do to move us beyond where we are. Yeah. And I honestly think that fear is necessary when we want to talk about courage. You can't have courage without fear first. Because if it's easy, then it's not courage. You can't be brave when you weren't scared first. So I think people need to use fear to push them forward. Like when you feel the fear, you're like, oh, this is about to be big. Then I probably have to do it. If it feels easy, if it's in your comfort zone, you've done it a thousand times. It's not going to be a growth opportunity. It's not going to be the thing that actually gets you to the level you need to go. It's not going to allow you to move past where you are today. And just on a very practical level, the things that I found scared me whenever I did it, I was always thankful for it. I was always like, the the fear was actually bigger than the actual thing, right? So we're so afraid and we blow up that fear and it takes up the whole room. And then you finally do the thing and you're like, it wasn't even that bad, <laughs> You're like, why did I even take that long to do it? So what happens when we actually walk through the world with that same idea when you know the last scary thing I did actually wasn't that bad. So why should this one? Those are things that you mentioned in your book. Yes. Those big ideas and big visions and big purpose in our life, sometimes they feel terrifying to start to tackle. And like you mentioned, the fear itself can be It can be shrouded in this. It can be a cloud that keeps us from that purpose when really what we're meant to do is what we're meant to do. So can we talk a little bit about that? At what point did you realize that you were thinking too small and you had to push through some fear to get to this next place? No, it's not. It wasn't even a strategy to get to my next place. I I was just like, I'm going to take it moment by moment, decision by decision. We often think that we need to have the grander plan, Right. I actually don't. I think when we take the pressure off and say, all right, the next decision that I am forced to make or told to make, I will not let fear be the first factor that allows me to say yes or no. So then I did that. And then the next time somebody asked me something that felt big in the moment, I I chose courage. All right. The next moment, courage. So it's a habit. But it's a habit that you have to force yourself to do. It's not that you become courageous and all of a sudden you stay courageous. No, because you can make one more decision that pulls that back a little bit. So it's a decision by decision thing. It's a moment by moment thing. And when we are like, I'm going to do this thing, again, that intentionality is everything. It's everything because you'll start start actually remembering the times when you said no to yes opportunities just because you were scared. You know, you'll start remembering conversations you wanted to have, but you were too scared to have. You know, you'll remember the time you wanted to ask for a raise, but thought, ah, they won't give it to me. So I'm just going to say no. So then we spend a lot of time opting out of best case scenarios because we're so afraid of the worst case scenario, the phantom worst case scenario that never comes. And when you do that enough, even you will start being like, why do I keep doing that? Imagine how different a lot of our lives would be. If we said more yeses instead of the no's that were because we were afraid. Well, and on the flip side, I think about all the things that we are afraid to say no to as well, right? That part. So that it's, part. This, it's a twofer that there are these opportunities that we're afraid to say yes to because like you mentioned, maybe we don't feel worthy or yes. ready 
or prepared or like our voice has value in that space. And yet there's also the things that we're afraid to say no to because we're afraid of disappointing or maybe afraid of failing in front of people. And so there's layers of yes and no that absolutely require to push through that fear. And what I love that you said is that the habit of fighting your fear, it's not that you build the habit of not being afraid anymore. You build the habit of choosing to say, I'm going to push through this fear. Exactly. And I think um, that's why it's really important for us to talk about fear because I think people often feel alone or they might be they might feel like they were weak because they were afraid. And part of the reason why I wrote this book is because I wanted to be like, listen, I show up in the world as bold as I want to be. I show up as myself always. And even I still struggle with fear, not because I'm weak, but because this is a universal, everybody feels it. But because we couch it in a lot of toxic positivity, people now feel bad for being afraid. And I'm just like, listen, The problem is not that you're afraid. You're going to be afraid. If something feels big, if something feels new, of course, you're going to have some anxiety about it and some doubt about it. And it's going to make you nervous. What I need people to understand is do not let your fear make you do less. That for me is what fearlessness means. Fearlessness means I am not going to do less because of my fear. That is fearless. In those moments when you're feeling that fear, what do you tell yourself in that exact moment? How do you? push through that? One, I acknowledge the fact that I'm afraid. Two, I wonder what I'm afraid of. So sometimes I walk myself through a checklist of like, what are you afraid of? Okay. Are you afraid of consequence? Okay. Do you actually have power in this way? Like if I want to say something that feels difficult in the moment, what am I really putting on the line that I think I'm going to lose? Am I losing my career by speaking a thoughtful truth? Probably not. Am I going to lose some money? Maybe if somebody doesn't book me for a speaking engagement. But okay, if I don't get booked for two speaking engagements, can I still pay my bills? Yes, I can. I have a good savings account. And I have friends where, let's say, apocalypse happens and I don't book one more speaking gig or sell one more book, will I be homeless? No, because I can always go to my mama's house. And my husband is here and he has a job. So when you run yourself through those types of scenarios, you'll be like, so the thing I'm afraid of is actually kind of ridiculous. It's not real. It's not a real possibility. So why am I not doing it? Why am I not saying it? So then with that very logical step in the way, I go, you know what? Do it. Your job is to be proud of the rooms that you're in, the person that you are, that you, at the end of the day, that you knew that you use your gift and my gift is using my words to reach people and connect with people. That's why I'm a writer. So I always have to convict myself first with, is my inaction going to make me proud of myself? We can appreciate the power and consequence of committing to push through fear, but we're often still faced with the big question of how. How do we actually do this? And what are the things that we can form habits around that will make fighting fear easier? You have a be, say, do framework that breaks it down into small, simple actions to be a fear fighter. Can you walk us through that framework? Yeah, so my book is broken. So Professional Troublemaker, the Fear Fighter Manual is broken into be, say, do, because first I want us to work on our mindset. What is it within us that we got to get right or unlearn to be able to fight our fears? After that, 
then you have to be able to speak them out loud or do the th- or say the thing that feels scary or that feels difficult or that feels hard. Then after that, once you are putting words to the fear and once you understand, you know, your mindset and what's stopping you from doing it, now you have to put action to it. Right? Now you actually have to move and do something about it. And that's why it's in that order because I think that's the order we need to go in. Cuz if you're saying stuff but you're not putting action to it, then what are you saying? Yeah, yeah. And also being able to name it first so that you have clarity on the actions you need to take. There is yeah. a, a sequence of that that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And I think one of the things that like the lead domino to actually being able to be and say and do those things, it often is really in identifying your core values. And when you know what you stand for, it is so much easier to push through the fear that is holding you back from your purpose while yeah. also understanding what to say yes to. So yeah. when, how did you discover your core values? Um, by just paying attention to what I've always um, been very, what I've always leaned towards, the things that I can't help myself about, right? So my core values, ever since I was little, I've been a terrible liar. Like I don't lie well. My face contorts and, and I just... It takes too much effort to even keep up with the lie you told. Okay. And who has time for that? I don't have the attention span for that. So I, I, I knew very early on that can't help myself. I'm going to tell the truth, whether or not it gets me in trouble, I'm going to do it. So knowing that honesty was big for me and also growing up, the thing I used to get in trouble with and about was like me challenging somebody for doing something that I felt was unfair. Like I wasn't the kid who was climbing on trees and getting in trouble for that. I was the kid who was getting in trouble for telling her mom, I don't think that was fair what you just did. Right. And her being like, wait a minute, I'm your elder. And I'm like, I still don't think it was fair. So I've just been this person who really cared deeply about justice since I was little. And I couldn't help but speak up. And nobody ever told me not to be that person ultimately. Right. So a lot of times we are insulted, abused, sometimes beaten out of who we are. We're sometimes insulted out of who we are. We're told who we are is not good enough. So then we switch it up. I've been this girl for a long time. I've never allowed anybody to tell me I can't be this person. So I walk knowing that my core values are just how I exist naturally in the world. So for you to figure out what your core values are, sometimes think about who you were as a kid. Yeah. Right. Like think about the five, six-year-old version of you. I think most of us really know who we are by like six. But then what happens is we swallow that person down because we've been told they're not good enough or that they are not people who are worthy of love or they have to bend themselves backwards. And I think it's something that's really important to unlearn. We teach people to think big, but go small and trust the dominoes will fall in their life. Mm-hmm. How has fear come into play when thinking big? With thinking big, I think fear comes into play in trying to make sure I don't add limits where they don't belong. You know, trying to create boxes for myself because I'm afraid of what limitlessness looks like. Yeah. So that looks like giving myself permission to dream audaciously. It looks like telling myself that the wildest things I want are possible. I told my team, I said, I know that Professional Troublemaker is the best thing I've done so far. And I want to sell a million copies. 
And I think they lost their breath for a second because even I was like, holy smokes. I actually said that out loud. That's kind of nuts. That's a big number. I was like, you know what? If this is not the time to not let the fear stop me, when will be? Yeah. Right? So it is the constant, constant commitment to insisting that you will ask for the things that scare you. It is in making sure that if it scares you is actually when you should double down on it is when you should try, you know, because what if it actually does happen? So, yeah, that's that's a big part for me. Well, we know so many people are held back by that thinking small and they're afraid to say it out loud because just like you said, your team sort of their jaws dropped the minute you said a million copies. Yep. Yep. Why do you think it's so common for people to put those limitations on? Because we've seen other people have limits. We've seen more people in boxes than people who are free to fly. Hmm. People have seen that they know people who never pursued their dreams. They've seen people who are like, yeah, I still work this nine to five that I hate. That's more common than the person who goes, I'm going to do that thing that feels so big that you might not think makes sense. So then we tend to think, all right, as products of our environment, it tends to limit what we think is possible for us. And I'm like, sometimes there are some people who in the midst of that will still dream big, will find some sort of power and way to still go, I know I haven't seen anybody do this thing, but I'm going to try it. Everything that we have in our world is a result of somebody thinking bigger than everybody else around them. Like whenever, I, <laughs> whenever I'm in an airplane, I usually have a moment where I'm just like, when you really think about it, it's wild to be on a plane <laughs> where you're flying in a tin can in the sky that is being held up by nothing visible. How? Even that feels like magic. But who was the first person who thought that? Imagine that person. They probably thought they were crazy. So. Fear keeps us from being the person who thinks a tin can can fly. But somebody thought it was possible and then it happened. So I think about our lives like that. Like what happens when we see ourselves as the tin can that can fly? Like what could actually happen when we think our wildest dreams are possible? And right now I'm living a world, I'm living a life that feels like my wildest dreams didn't even have the nerves. (laughs) Didn't even, weren't even bold enough to be like, that's possible. And I'm just like, that's, that's wild. I think it circles back to what you said at the beginning around being the domino. Yeah. Like when you have the courage to be the domino that does that big thing, you yeah. actually are an example that other people can see. Absolutely. If we're surrounded by people with limits, then Absolutely. like you mentioned, like then we end up living really small. Absolutely. And I think that's really important. And I carry that with me. And it's something that I think everybody should carry with them. Just the possibility that you can do extraordinary things. I don't necessarily think that people who are visible or who are really successful are extraordinary people. I think they're just people who had this relentless belief in themselves and what was possible. And they did something over and over again and it worked. So don't think extraordinary people exist. I just think it's ordinary people who did ordinary things just on a bigger scale. The straightest path to achieving extraordinary results is not some quick scheme, lucky lottery, or opportunity of chance. It is by having clarity on what matters most and being purposeful about committing to pursue it one thing at a time. 
one two-inch domino at a time. Lovey, where can people find you? Yes. So people can find me all over the interwebs. My uh, (laughs) social platforms, I am at Lovey on all platforms. One word, L-U-V-V-I-E, everywhere. And uh, people can buy my books. So my upcoming book, Professional Troublemaker, The Fear Fighter Manual, is what I feel like is my manifesto. It is the thing that I would want my kids to read in 10 years. I love that. Well, you know what? Even as I think about it, if you sell a million copies, imagine a million people fighting through their fear. What would that look like? (laughs) I mean, it would be epic. 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 (laughs) Can you imagine what happens when a million people say, you know what? I'm not going to be afraid. And if I am afraid, I'm going to do it anyway. Oh my God. I'm excited. That's why I'm excited. (laughs) I am excited to receive the notes from people who say, you know what? I did something different because I read these words. And for me, that's the best case scenario here. That is a powerful future that I'm in for. I'm I'm ready. Bring it. (laughs) Let's go. Let's do it. There you have it. Our conversation with bestselling author, Lovey Jai Jones. In talking about fear today with Lovey, I was struck by how often people settle for good enough when they know they are meant for more. If we surrender to fear and allow it to put a ceiling on our goals, then our unlived dreams, they eventually become regrets. But I encourage you with what Lovey challenged us to do. She said, don't opt out of best case scenarios in fear of the worst case scenarios that might not come. Rather than shrinking back from your big goals, remember that your big dreams belong to you for a reason. It's not an accident that you're driven to achieve more. It's a gift and sure, Fighting the fear that comes with your big goals may not come naturally, but do not give up on it. In the One Thing book, Gary says, if courage isn't the absence of fear, but moving past it, then thinking big isn't the absence of doubts, but moving past them. So what's the one thing you can do today such that by doing it will make fighting your fear easier or unnecessary? Identify one small thing and see what becomes possible when you commit to it. Don't let fear cut your life down to size. Your one thing is worth it. If this episode has brought value to you, who's someone you know or care about that would benefit from listening to it? Would you share it with them? And if you are that person, welcome to the One Thing Podcast. Click the subscribe button so that all future episodes will automatically be downloaded to your device. And for all of you, please consider leaving us a rating or review on your podcast player of choice as it really helps us reach more people. 